What's the series name? Yeah, present God. Present God. Okay. <laughs> that one. Right. But last week's sermon, he finished off with one, one uh, request to all of us. He said, I remember this one so loud because he repeated twice. He said it's from Habakkuk chapter 2. The verse is like, climb, climb the lookout tower, scan the horizon, wait to look at what God says. Climb the lookout tower, scan the horizon, and wait to look at what God says. And Jacob started this series, as we know, the God who is present with us. He is Emmanuel God. He is there with us. And that's who he is. He always wants to be with us. And then all the promises, if you write them on the paper, and then if you look at, all, look at God's heart in those promises, you will see that he never leaves you nor forsakes you. In fact, Jane started off this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, service saying, Lord, you are our face-to-face -face God. Our Father is face-to-face -face Father, that he never turns his face back. That's what who he is. And then now, we started to learn how to present this God who is with us, who is present all the time, his presence, and then who is always with us. How can we present this God to the world? That's what we started into um, uh, learning. And last week, Jacob started to ask us this question. Okay, Lord, how are you presenting to myself so that I can present you to the world? That's where we have looked at. And now, today, we, we're going to look at, today, we're going to look at how can we present God to the world? And then what can stop us from doing that? And then how can we overcome those? Okay. So for that, let's, let's read um, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 15. Yeah, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. We have to understand that these three are, are three different stages, three different things that as a, as a Christ follower we have to be aware of. So the first one, approved, and then the second one, unashamed, and the last one, handles the word of God correctly. To me, coming from India, presenting God is one of the one of the uh, one of the primary thing in the church. Because our church, the, back in India, the church I grew up, our church is is in a community where we don't have many Christian congregations. 
So that's where once we have we we start to experience the power of God. We start to experience the we experience who God is in our life. We start to experience the love, and then we start to sing that love to the world. Every day, every church, every Sunday, especially my life and my brother and then my sister, my family and our church Sunday school team. And this is what we were doing. It's like we go out and then we preach the gospel. We present God in a different, uh, different congregations. That's where we were, we were doing. But then, after, but then before doing that, that's the primary thing that we, every, every Christian, we need to, every Christ follower, every son, we need to live in that life. The first one, approved. And then Acts 29, we have lived in that life such a wonderful time at a, such a wonderful level. Am I right or not? Approved. We start to learn the love of Father, the, like how Father accepts us, his children, how he never, he's always chair facing God. He's always face to face God. He never, he's always there for us. And then, and then we start to live in this life. In fact, 2019, we have started this, this year saying access granted because we are approved. We are approved into the presence of God. Now we can go boldly and with confidence because what Christ has finished on the cross. We have lived in this one with such a powerful life. Especially, especially in my life, I have lived this one. I still struggle, but it is such a place to live. Because nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Because when I accept Christ, he comes into my spirit. And then his spirit and my spirit become one. And then they can never be separated because that is the promise and that is the seal that God has placed upon my spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit. Approved. You're approved. You're approved into God's presence. You're approved to call him as Abba, Father. You are approved as his son and daughter, as a much-loved child. You ask him, he never says anything. He's always behind. Whatever you say, he wants to do it for you because you're approved. Because, you, because you're approved, because access is granted to his treasures. In fact, the Bible says that you're approved and he has given you the keys. He has given you the keys of the kingdom. You're approved. That's why whatever you unlock, God is going to open it. And whatever you close, and God is going to close it. You're approved. That's why when the body comes and then prays together, because our prayers is approved, and God is God, we are experiencing answers. And that's what all the stories that we are learning today in the church. Because we are approved. And never miss out that, eh? Never miss out that. That's what the enemy says. The enemy says that the enemy always confuses or brings doubt into heart that, no, you're not approved because your lifestyle is completely different to what God expects. And never buy into that lie. We don't have to prove to anyone that you're approved. All you got to do is live and, and celebrate what Christ has approved upon your life. You're approved. You're approved not because of our actions. You're approved because what Christ has done. You're approved not because of your love towards God, but because his love towards you, because he, he is the one first who loved you. You're approved. And then for weeks and weeks and then months and months, over and over, turn-ups and everything, this is where we, we started to learn. We started to encourage each other. We started to help each other to live in this life of approval because 
God has approved us. Christ has approved us. We are approved because of his sacrifice upon cross. I believe that. How many of you really, really trust that? Amen. 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 So today, we're going to look at this one. Because this one, it's been, in fact, last week's sermon, if you go and hear Jacob's sermon, almost like 40% of the sermon lies here. Because he was talking about how to handle the word of, word of God correctly in a different, in a, with the different terms. And then we are learning in the house church, and this, this is where we are spending time. But today I want to talk about this one, unashamed. Unashamed. How to live a life of unashamed uh, person. How to present God. How to be a worker. How to be a son who does not need to be ashamed of God. It's a very critical topic. When God spoke to me about this one, I was, I was trumbling, I was in tears because I don't know about, that's the only prayer I prayed, but I don't know if I can bring the right words because you know my heart. Because it's a very critical, very, very sensitive topic. How can we live as a life, how can we live as a son or daughter who is not unashamed, who is not afraid, who is not unashamed of who he is? I guess to me personally, personally, this is something that stops me from presenting God to the world because I'm sometimes, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know, I don't know if the results are okay. If the results, when I present God, I don't know if it comes back okay or not. And to me, when I go back and then check myself and then sometimes I'm like, am I ashamed of God? Maybe, I, maybe Abba, you have to help me how to present you. So let's look at this one, unashamed. How can I present God? How can I be a son or daughter that can present God, who can present God in such a way that I don't need to be ashamed? I want to tell you one statement. The power to present God, the power to present God to the world comes from how you present yourself to the Lord. The power to present God to the outside world comes from, lies in how you present yourself to the Father. I started to look, I started to dig down, dig deeper. I started to read from Genesis for this message. I started to scan through Genesis. I, I want one question that I, I started to ask is, Lord, how have you presented yourself to the people in the first place? I know you have presented, uh, to, presented yourself uh, us through, the, through Christ. That I know. That is amazing. But I want to see how God started to present himself in the Old Testament from the beginning. And we know the story from the beginning. I thought, I, uh, when I started to read Genesis, when I came to the story of Abraham, if you look at the promises that God gave to Abraham, he never talked about his name. God did not talk about his name or his glory to Abraham. All he said, I will bless you, I will make your name great, I will make your descendants great, I'll give you an inheritance. It's all about Abraham, and God is standing for Abraham. You want to read Abraham's blessings? 
Where are they? Genesis chapter... Yeah, Genesis chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1. Yeah, can someone read it for me, please? Yeah, it's not about God's name. It's about the promise that God wants to give to Abraham. So he said, I'll bless you. I'll be with you. You will going to take over the land. That's a blessing. That's a promise. That's a promise I'm making with you. And that's what happened for the three generations. Three generations. Even if you read Isaac's life story, Isaac's life story, every time when God said something, it was always about the blessing. It was always about the promise that God has entrusted to Abraham. All the Isaac's lifestyle, life story, it's about the promises that, that God made to Abraham and then now to Isaac. And it's always about blessing Isaac. And then I came to Jacob. And it's the same story, even in the life, life of Jacob too. God never brought his name. He's like, I will bless you. I will be with you. I gave this promise to your fathers and I will make sure that you will live in this one. But one time in Jacob's life, one time in Jacob's life, something happened. And it's Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. If you guys know this story, we all know this story. This is where Abraham wrestled with the God. Do you guys remember the conversation? No, not Abraham, Jacob. Jacob wrestled with God. Let's read Genesis chapter 32, verse 22. Verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it's a daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Take the man. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with the humans and have overcome. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there and then he left. It's a very interesting conversation. It's a very interesting incident where Jacob, he left everyone. He left his, his wife and, then pe and the people and all the property and all the positions that he got. And then he was all alone. He was wrestling with God and then God changed Jacob's name. And in fact, Jacob's decision at that time was like, I will not leave you unless you bless me. He was wrestling for the whole night. And then after he wrestled God, wrestled with God, Jacob asked, what is your name? And the Bible says that he, he uh, Bible says that, why are you asking my name? But he did not reply. He did not answer his name. Because on that day, Jacob's intention was to be, uh, uh, to, to reconcile with his brother, to, uh, to get, uh, to, to, to get what God has promised. That's it. 
And none of them asked who he is. And now let's read Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4 onwards. Can someone help me, please? Yeah, and also Exodus chapter 6, verse 2. Yeah, keep going. What did he say? He said, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, but by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I did not make myself by fully known to them. But then now when he met, when he met uh, Moses, he said, I am the Lord. I am the God. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And now I came here to redeem my people. So here, when, when God met Moses, he, he started to reveal his name. He started to reveal who he is. In fact, in fact uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 3, uh, if you keep reading, Moses says from verse 11, But Moses said, Who am I? Who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be my sign to you, that is, I who have sent you, when you have brought the people of Egypt out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And then Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. Then they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I say to them? And God said, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. So this is where God, God first started to reveal, reveal, who, reveal his name. And then as the centuries goes by, then you see Jesus Christ. And then what Christ has done on the cross, because what Christ has completed and finished on the cross, and then now he has fully revealed himself through the Christ. And that's what Paul writes. He is the image, he is the visible image of an invisible God. And he started, to, he, started to know, he started to explain himself. He started to demonstrate his love. He demonstrated his love. He expressed his love. He, he, he shown himself fully through Jesus Christ to us. And what a privilege it is for us to know him fully. And that's where, that's, that's, that's where our unashamed life begins. 
If we want to live that life, our life begins from begins at knowing who he is fully. Knowing him. Knowing how he has loved you. And that's what the approved lifestyle starts where. When you know that, when you start to live that, that's where the unashamed life begins because you know him fully, because he's always there for you, because you know him. But the beauty, the beauty begins when we always trust and we always know that God is always there for us. And now, the lifestyle of unashamed begins when you start to say, now Lord, I want to be for you as well. You are for me, but I want to be for you. You are for my existence, you are for my love, but I want to be for you too. And that's what sons does, they do. Sons always want to fulfill what the father's desires are. And this is the time that the church needs to start to say, yes, Abba, I have lived that you are for me. I have lived that you are there for me. I have lived that you are never lived, now forsake. You're always there. And now I want to live for you too, Abba. And that's what David did. When David conquered, the, conquered, he conquered Jerusalem and then he was on the top of the tip of the, the highest point on the Jerusalem and then he looked at one side and then he looked at the other side and then he said, Abba, your tent has followed us, your, your Ark of Covenant followed us and now I want to do something, I want to build a house for you. And that's where God, God steps in and then he says, you won't be able to build a house for me, but your son is going to build a house for me. And through your descendants, I'll bring Messiah. Presenting God. If you want to start present God to the world, that's where, you, that's where the switch starts. Abba, I want to live for you too. I want to live for your cause too. And all the New Testaments, that's what Paul writes. That's what Peter, read Peter 1 and Peter 2 this week if you have time. And you will start to understand that how Peter encourages the body to say that, Abba, we live for your, your, your desires. We live for your purposes. And this is how I want to step into, your, step into the yoke with you. Knowing him fully and then trusting him that he knows you fully. And then stepping into saying, Abba, I want to partner with you. I want to step into with you. I am for you too. I am for you too. In fact, Jesus, in fact, that's what Jesus says. He said, the harvest is plenty. And the workers are few. He has sons. Step, flipping that and asking him, saying him, I want to be for you too as well, God. Help me. Help me to step into this. Help me to step into this. Next one. Let's read Philippians chapter 2 verse 10. Philippians chapter 2 verse 10. Yeah, we know the end now. The end is, at the, on that day, every knee 
will bow down. Every tongue will confess. Every knee, after every knee, there is one statement that said every knee, after, after, after every knee. Yeah, yeah. Can you repeat? Yeah. Every knee, yes, every knee in heaven and on earth will bow down one day. And every tongue will confess. Every knee and every tongue will confess. That means all of our friends, all of our relatives, everyone in heaven and in earth, one day are going to bow down and then confess that he is the Lord. But there is only one difference. If they confess that today, then they will be with him forever. That day, everyone is going to confess. But some, because they have seen him on that day. And, but some, but for us, we have seen him even before that. And then now we start to bow down to him. And that is why, as a church, we need to step into that and then start to present God. Because one day, everybody is going to come and then everybody is going to kneel down. Every, every tongue is going to confess. But the only difference is, are they going to this side or the other side? So no one is going to escape from that day. So the church's call to do, step into this presenting God and then say, guys, one day you're going to come to the presence of God. One day you're going you're gonna to kneel down. Better be that today. Better be that today. And I've experienced it. So always keep that in your mind. Always keep that in your mind. Always put that, put that, put, see the end. Because our God, he has already shown us what's going to happen. So that we can run to it. So that we can walk towards it. The next one. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty. Yeah, in fact, verse nineteen, the second part of verse nineteen uh, says, "He has committed to us the message of reconciliation, and we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal." through us. The third one begins from trusting that he has committed you, he has trusted you with this message of reconciliation. The problem comes here. God has already trusted you and me, but the, somehow the world has taught us, the church history has taught us that it was only, con it was only uh, set for the pastors and the preachers and the missionaries and that. And somehow we missed it. Somehow we missed the whole picture. And then we have set this one to only pastors and then only preachers. And then we have set back. We, have, we, have, uh, we are like, okay, that's their job. But the word of God teaches us that he has trusted us. He has, he has, he has committed this, this mission to all of us. And you and I, to everyone, the ministry of reconciliation. What are we reconciling? reconciling? This to God. The creation, everyone is God's, God's son, everyone is God's daughter, and then we are reconciling them to him. 
And that's where we need to trust that wherever we are, you and I are trusted with this ministry, the Ministry of Reconciliation. The Ministry of Reconciliation, because you are reconciled to God. And then now it's our duty. So that, that, uh, that, that's what the verse 20 says. We are therefore Christ's ambassador, as though God were making his appeal through us. You're the only ambassador that God chose in your, in your life, in the area of where you are. We have to trust that. We cannot escape from it. I go to work, you go to work. I go to school, you go to school, wherever we are. You are the ambassador, that's what God sees. This is my son, and now I'm sending him as an ambassador to there. And then God wants to appeal to them through you alone. That's why, that's why, that's why sometimes it's very hard for this life. Some of the situations are very hard for us because some things, I have always struggled with this in my life. I've always struggled. I've always cried in the presence of God. I always have this question, why me, why me, why me? Because God has trusted me with the ministry of reconciliation. If not me, then who can do this? And that's where I have to take one more step. I have to walk for two more miles with my, with my colleagues or with my friends so that I can do this ministry with them. I have to take extra step because, because that, that's where Christ's love falls for, uh, flows out of us. Take a step. Trust that you are called. Even though you don't trust yourself. You don't, you, the problem with us is like we don't trust ourselves that we are not good enough. We, we don't know how to share gospel. We don't know how to live this one. That's where the problem comes. But, but put that aside and then see that God is looking at you, looking at you as you are the ambassador for him for his ministry right there are you in the church are you in the are you outside in the business world you are the ambassador you have to look into that Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 chapter 5 verse 16 Let's, re let's read from verse, verse 13. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So if you, if you look at this, you are the salt of what? Not the church. You are the salt of the earth we are very good salt for the church and church groups and the house churches me especially <laughs> and we are the light of the house church no we are the light of the world that's what Jesus that's how God looks at us that's what Jesus that's how when when he looks at us that's what he does it's like you're the light of the world that's why you cannot hide yourself you're the light of the world. You're the light of the salt. You're the salt of the earth. And that's where, that's where this unashamed lifestyle begins. Trusting that, yes, I'm chosen for this. Trusting that, yes, God has brought me this country. Trusting that, yes, God has placed me here. Trusting that, yes, God has called me here. About what, what should I do? What needs to be done in my life? How can I change this? Help me about. That's where it comes in. Otherwise, otherwise we'll be like, we'll be hiding. 
we'll be hiding and then we'll lose our saltiness. There are so many Christians in the church losing their saltiness or, or hiding their light. What, what powerful revelations that God has given to them for years and years. And then young people like us, the next generation, we need them. But they were hidden in the house. And they were not, they were never brought out. They were never brought out. Some of the stories, some of the simple points that I have learned here, when I share with my friends, it's like a life changing for them. And I go like, oh, is that powerful? Because they don't know it. And God has revealed it. And then we are hiding them under the basket. And the church, it's a time for us to lift the baskets and then say, this is my light. This is the light of the Lord. And this is who God is. We need to do that. In fact, the verse 16 says in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. How long are we going to hide this light? How long are you going to hide the, the, the revelations that God has done in your life or brought to your knowledge in your life? How long, how long are you going are, are to not share the stories that God has done in your life? I think it is time for us to bring this one because as I was preparing for this sermon, God has, uh, he brought me um, a prophecy that God gave to Acts 29 when Chad was here. The, the prophecy was like, God is going to give you a language, a love language, a new language for the church to communicate to the world. That was the prophecy I wrote uh, in my notes. I think it, this is the time that we need to learn this new language. We need, to, we need to lift our baskets and then show the world who the Father is. Because we know how to live the approved life. Next one. Matthew chapter 11, 16. Matthew chapter 11, 16. Yeah, can someone help me please? Thank you. Can someone read 12 verse 39? Chapter 12 verse 39, Matthew. Thank you. Verse 16 and verse 4. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10. Yeah. So if you, if you check out these four verses, what you can see is Jesus Christ, he knows the generation where he was in. He knows the generation. He knows how wicked they are. He knows, he knows what they expect. He knows the, the condition of the generation. He knows how perverse they are. He knows how, how far away they are. 
and yet he started to bring the solution to them. We are afraid sometimes to present God because we don't know this generation. We don't know the people whom we are talking to. We don't understand the generation. As the church, it is our duty, it is our responsibility to know which generation are we in. Now it's already uh, Generation Z outside. And they don't come from the families. They don't come from Christian families. And one recent study, a ministry, they did a study, and then they said the Generation Z, the latest, the new generation, they don't even know the gospel. They don't even know uh, the, uh, how many books in the Bible because they do not come from the church or Christian homes. They're all into virtual reality. They're all into new technology. But how do you meet them? How do you explain? How do you answer their questions? Because their questions are different. Jesus Christ knows their, their, the generation. We have to know the generation, not just by the news or not just by the articles, but by the spirit. Abba, I'm getting into this, Abba. I'm going outside, Abba. What can I do? Who are they? What can I provide? Who, because that's what Jacob taught uh, uh, last week. How he has presented to you and then now going and then presenting that to others. So, so we have to learn. We have to know about what's happening in the country. We have to know about what's happening around us. Canada is a great place because the whole world is in front of Canada. Just this morning I read an article. There is a university in Kamloops. 100 countries, students from 100 countries celebrated their orientation the first day in Kamloops yesterday, on Friday. A Kamloops University, 100 countries, students from 100 countries. The writer of the article said, he, uh, he said he was just was walking through the, uh, through the people and then he, has, he heard so many languages, small, small groups and then meeting and then they're talking different, different languages that he never heard the languages. We need to know what's happening. We need to ask the Lord, Lord, this is my heart, and how can I step into this one? And the next one. The problem, of the, one of the fear for us is, is because presenting God, when we talk about presenting God, when we talk about uh, sharing who Christ is, we only have few set methods. We only know few set ways that were, that were good in the, in the Christian world. Preaching, church, or maybe uh, doing Sunday schools, or this. But that's, not, that's never the case for God. The, see, we, we, I feel ashamed if someone asks me to go and play piano and then worship the Lord and present God to others. Because I don't know it. And that's the problem. That's why we are ashamed sometimes. We are not comfortable. We are not confident because we are stepping into someone else's shoes and then trying to present God. Whereas God has prepared you in a completely different way to present him. So this is the time that you and I need to look into our lives and look into how God has wired us and then how we can present God in the ways, in the shoes, in the, in the, in the plants and in, in the ways that he has created us. I was, I was having a coffee and then um, 
in front of me, a, a father and a daughter, they both came, a, a young kid, they both came and they said, can we sit? I said, sure. And then he opened a book and then he's reading a book to, uh, to daughter and the title of the book is The Stories of the Lamb. The Stories of the Lamb. But it's actually a lamb. It's like, a, it's like an animal story. And then I was thinking, I was thinking, ha, huh, I wish I should ask my sister because she writes beautiful stories and then maybe I should go and encourage her to write stories that someday fathers can buy the stories of the real lamb, the ultimate lamb, and then read stories to them. Because my sister knows the story. That's what, the, uh, that's what Saul did to David. Saul asked David to have the, have the, the armor of the, of, the, of the military, of the army, so that he can go and defeat the Goliath. But Saul did not choose it because it's not comfortable to him. He won't be able to face the giant. What he knows, that's what he did. And then today, the church, if we, as a church, if you want to take this language, if you want to take who God is and present to God, everyone, each one of us, we have to find ways that creatively, that what God has, how God has placed and prepared us to bring out these this stories. Imagine if someone can write a curriculum for the, for the third world countries, people in India, how, who father is, who God is. Imagine if someone can write an article about uh, what, has, what Christ has finished on the, uh, on the cross. Or imagine if you write your story or the, or the miracles that God has done, how God has brought you. For people, it's very hard to believe in miracles. But if you look at your life, you are the greatest miracle. I'm the greatest miracle. Now I believe in miracles because I don't know how, I, how can I come here. It's so impossible for me. Wherever you are, wherever you are, that's what the, that's what the, the Israelites did. They were as a slaves and, and wandering for 40 years. And then when they came to the country, when they came to the promised land, they had to become a nation. They had to learn different skills. They had to, they had to work and they had to bring out the art. They had to uh, do constructions. Bring it out. Ask Father, so many years, there are the desires that God has placed in your heart. And then you don't know how to bring it up. You're like, okay, maybe I'll bring it up, uh, bring it out maybe for the next birthday or maybe for the next year. But now this is the time, guys. This is the time that we need to bring it out. Because we're not going to do in the, in the ways of the world or we're not going to do in the set ways. We're going to do how God has called us, how God is preparing us. And find, find uh, and, and, pro and progress in the meaning and purpose that God has called. Strip your mind from all the past ways and past theology or the ways that, uh, that only these ways that the ministry can be done. No. Find ways and ask the Father. Say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm for you. I want to do this. Is this the right way? Bring it to the body. Is this the right way? I want to bring this one out. I want to bring this truth out. Is this the right way? Because he's there for you. And now we can be for him too. The last one, Exodus chapter 3. One can do all of this. One can do all of this. Anyone can do all of this. 
Like starting from the first point where um, we know him, he knows him, and then we know him, he knows us, he calls us by name. And then I go and then say, I am for you, Lord, I want to live. And then we start to live that life, and then we start to be bold. We start to ask the innovative and creative ways how I can bring out the truth to the world, and then I can start, wor- I can start bringing it out. But the last one I want to say is, but still you, get, you can meet, you, you, you can be discouraged. Because the ways and the, because the things that you're doing may not be fruitful. Let's read uh, 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 Exodus chapter 3. Okay, Exodus chapter 6 verse 8. Exodus chapter 6, verse 8. I will bring you to the land. This is what uh, the Lord said to Moses. I will bring you, uh, bring you to the land. I'll s- land I swore with the uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a position I am the Lord. Verse 6, it said, go to the Israelites and then tell this one. Then Moses reported to this to the Israelites. Moses went and then reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. Moses went and then told all the Israelites, hey, this is what the Lord said. We're going to go out of this place because Lord, the Lord is going to help us to get out of this place. And what Israelites did was they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. When you go and talk to your friends or when you go and then present God to the outside world, they might not accept it because of the discouragement from the enemy and because of the harsh labor, because of, because of the torture or because of the labor by the enemy placed upon them all these years. It might not be super exciting for them because they won't be able to believe it. I went and then I told in Nandigama that, hey, our God is Father, he loves you, and then they could not believe. Four people came to me and then said, we don't have fathers, we were orphans, but how can we understand who Father is? And I'm a sinner, I, I cannot understand how Father loves me. Because of their discretions happen in the life, because of their condition, because how the enemy tortured them for these years, they cannot understand sometimes. But then look what God said to uh, Moses. Okay, Israelites, when you went and talked to the people, they did not listen. But now Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this country. You went and you told them they did not listen. Then now he said, go and tell the Pharaohs. Go in and talk to them. Go in and tell them, let my people go. So, so when we go in and talk to, our, talk to the people, when it, did, when it didn't happen, then we have to go and ask the Lord, Lord, who is in charge of that? Because we don't fight with the flesh and blood. We wrestle, we fight with the principalities. That's where we need to go. That's why the church is trained to do that. That's why God has brought you here and then we, we, we build up our muscles so that we can go and then talk to the Pharaoh. We can go and talk to these principalities. We can pray against them and then say, hey, let my people go. Enough is enough. That's the calling that we need to step into. That's the calling that God is calling us. 
Don't worry about the discouragement that came like when people did not accept it. That's okay because we have a greater call. We need to pray against the, all the principalities. And that's when you start to see how the, how the Pharaoh, how the principalities that, was under, uh, that were uh, having the authority can release them. Because when we pray, that's what Christ does. Amen? Amen. Now, now imagine what God can do through, through our church. Paul did it. The best example I was looking, I was looking in the Bible. And then Paul, he preached the gospel in different ways. He brought the law and then he started to explain gospel from the law. He, he talked to Jews. He talked to Gentiles. He was in the palaces talking to kings. And he was in the prison writing letters. He found every opportunity to present the gospel in a different ways, whatever possible. And then now imagine if our church, if the generation, if us can step up into this and bring the, bring the God we have experienced in a different and innovative methods to, to, to reach the people. And God is doing this in the world. Eh? The Bible app, it was, it was installed in billion devices. Came from a 16-year-old guy. A 16-year-old youth guy, youth, young kid, he said, I want to bring this, this Bible to my friends. And they don't want to read the paper. I want to make an app and then do it. And the pastor said, okay, then we have some programmers in the church. We'll do it together. And then now it is one of the best company in the United States. The pastor received the best CEO award recently. A pastor, Craig Rochelle. Started with a 16-year-old kid. Desire to bring it out in a, in a different way. And that's where we need to step in. Think about the amount of blessing that God has down, poured down into your life. How can we bring this one out? How can we bring the truths out? The harvest is plenty. The workers are few. Yeah, let's pray. I really want to pray for the church that, that we don't hide our light. Because this is the shining light. The truths that we 